Hello, everybody. Welcome to On the Homefront. My name is John Murphy. I welcome you to the program today here on WILI. You might be hearing us live on AM 1400 or Digital 95.3 FM. Also, we're on YouTube. WILI has a whole channel on YouTube with all of the uh, with all of the afternoon shows as an archive. So if you miss our live broadcast, you can always get our guests anytime, 24-7. Our show this week is very busy with three segments. There's a new play coming to the Bradley Playhouse called Nuts. We're also going to talk about Veggie Stock, which is coming up on June 3rd. But to kick off, I'm very happy to share the studio right now with David Foster. He's here to talk about the special Shabu reunion coming up this Saturday, May 27th, at the Shabu stage. David, you need no introduction, but thank you for being here today. John, it's always a pleasure to be with you. It's always great, man. It's been a long time talking on the radio once in a while. Well, it's like we're like old friends, man. It's just always great when we get a chance to be together and... Uh, I'd like to take a second and, and wish you a happy birthday on Saturday. Oh, that's right. Thank you very yeah, much for yeah, embarrassing yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, I'm not trying to embarrass you, but it's just, yeah, yeah. it's nice when we can clock one more year together. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's, it's, they're all milestones now. Yeah, I guess we're sharing the same calendar, too. That's right. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Here's to more to come. That's right. Now, this Saturday is a big day. It starts at 4 o'clock with the gates opening. 5 o'clock is a great award-winning polka band. How did you connect with these guys to have them open? How did oh, that work out? I've known these guys for a few years. I saw them play at the, at the Mohegan Sun Casino, and mm -hmm. they put on just a terrific show, Dennis uh, Poleski's the Maestro's, Maestro's Men. Yeah, yeah, and his Maestro Men. Uh, they, they were just fabulous. And uh, they're very professional and very, you know, uh, very good entertainers, very good musicians and singers, and uh, they're they're famous. I mean, uh, they were they were Grammy nominated last year in the polka genre uh, for for a Grammy, and they're they're in the Hall of Fame uh, uh, all through the United States wow, uh, for their work. You know, the great Virginia Soretny, rest in peace, right? Well, Virginia, the polka queen. Well, Virginia would just love this band. And, yeah. You know, these these boys were babies when Virginia was yeah. here. But there's a big Polish community here in Willimantic. And yeah. I've been wanting to do this for years, you know, and I want I wanted to do it with these guys. And I you know, every year they'd just, please, David, can you put us on the show? And, you know, I just I ended up with, you know, Pure Prairie League and NRBQ. And I just didn't have any room left on, on those dates, you know, that I do. And I just said, this year I, I had some room and I said, you know what? I'm going to have Dennis come up and play, and we'll share the evening together. And, you know, the plan is is after he plays, and then when we go on and do our thing, at the end of the night, we're going to all have a jam session, all of us. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Because they're very prolific musicians and, and players and singers. Oh, yeah. And it'll be fun to, you know. I mean, we already have six horns, and they're horn players. You know, Dennis is a horn player. It's sax, trumpet, and then the accordion, bass, and drums. I mean, keyboards and drums. Right. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, it's uh, it's a beautiful aggregation that they have. And they, they really know how to sing, play, entertain, and get it done. And they have a big, big following in New Britain and Amherst and, and New London and all down on the coast where they love polka music as well. So we're expecting to see, you know, uh, probably 
up, I'd say a thousand to two thousand poker fans. I bet. Yeah, yeah. There, it's a huge community all around. And like anything, the best way to have music is live in your face and the energy of a live band. I've seen live polka bands. It's amazing what happens. That's and true. That's a good way to start yeah. the day. And the weather's going to be perfect for that age group. It's not going to be too hot. It's not. It's going to be nice, seventy-five degrees and dry, yeah. Yeah. not humid, and they can dance right in front of that stage. You know and. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll be a major production there. I always do major productions when, when I use that stage. That's why I built it. But That's right. So, you know, they're going to sound big and, and, and fat and rich. And I do have a VDOS system coming, uh, which is the greatest the greatest sound system known to man, pretty much. It's like, it's so crystal clear. It's mm. it's just the best. And the, the people that are coming to work with me this, this year are my friends that... And they do a lot of work at Madison Square Garden and a lot of work at the Barclays Center. So yeah. it will be that same rig that plays there a lot. Uh, we'll be here at Willimantic. And, yeah. um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to, you know, all day. And, and I think it's a nice compliment musically, blues and, and polka music. Because, oh, yeah. you know. Folk it, music. It, yeah. And it also the way, I look, at, folk music, the way yeah. I look at polka music is like upside down blues <laughs> rhythmically. You know, in heaven there is no beer. That's why we drink it here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's there's so many similarities to it. So, and we can you know we can play that. We can play that too. So it's going to be fun. It'll be really fun to get those creative juices going. You know, with with my crew and their crew, and uh, you know, just have just a uh, just a good old fun time. You know, and I mean, look, the best part about it is we're raising money for the soup kitchen. You know, I mean, that's just the that's it. That's what it's all about. We, we, you know, I always try to come in and, and do something to help the soup kitchen because that's constant. I mean, this, people are constantly hungry. You know, it, it doesn't go away. You know, you're, you're hungry every seven hours, every eight hours. Yeah. It's got to be, you know, it's got to be taken care of. And, and Willimantic's food kitchen here is feeding like 10 communities. Oh, yeah. So last year we fed like 1.6 million meals. They've had Bruce on the show many times, all of his bread box folk series. All those shows benefit uh, the soup kitchen, too, just like you do, you guys yeah. together. Yeah, and I've helped him with, immensely with that, yep. de decorating that theater and turning it into a musical theater. And yeah. So, I mean, it's it's just all good. You know, it's it's uh, it's it takes a village. <laughs> it does. If people haven't been there, that sanctuary in St. Paul's, I saw Christine a few weeks ago when she was there with the band Rebel Montez, yeah. and the sound was awesome. It's beautiful in there, isn't it? Yeah. Just the acoustics, the high ceilings. Yes. You're really close to them. And the intimacy is, yeah. is just brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I love it there. Yeah. 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 So yeah. everything begins at 4 when the gates open down at the Shabu stage of the park. And then the music begins about 5. There'll, there'll be a little break, and then the band comes on around 8 o'clock. There'll be food trucks there and all kinds of drinks, so you have food and drink. Yeah, and Hosmer Mountain, they'll be bringing their soda. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be nice. Yeah. Yeah. And very reasonable, by the way. It's, it's only a $20 at the gate fee. Yeah. Which is like, you know, half the price of what most of my reunions have been. Yeah. Because, you know, I just this year I just said, you know, I know it's 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 kind of crazy time here with the economy and the it's inflation. A tight. It is. It's tight for folks and I'm just trying to do the best I can to you know, to make uh every dollar count for everybody. Also the money that they're going to contribute will go to the soup kitchen. So again, when you when you raise uh, money through music Everybody gets to be a part of it, which is, that's what really feels good. You know? That's right. Yeah. 
Because when you're all together and the weather's nice and you're all there in the air, something is in there that is intangible. Even during the uh, the COVID, when they had to use your cars oh, in the car. Oh, I remember, remember that. The yeah, sure, thing? sure. And it was incredibly electric there. You're in your car like to drive it. Yeah. But there you are, the same thing. Yeah, and they had a signal, their own FM signal, and they yeah. play the radio in the car. Yeah. And it was yeah. crystal clear. It was beautiful, yeah. yeah. Now, you know, something I want to talk about while I have David for a few more minutes is about music today because the music industry is going through major, major changes. And if you follow it, then you already know. But if you don't follow it, you may just enjoy having all this free music on Spotify or Pandora that you don't have to pay for. But behind that scene, behind that rock is a real tragedy of the economics of musicians today that people are still learning about. And as much as you can share the musician side, how this free streaming is convenient, and it is a way for people to learn about music, but it's not being right by the creators. You're leaving out the equation there. Well, you, yeah. you're not rewarding the creativity. And, you know, that's why, that's why there's no late night television. There's no Saturday Night Live right now. Because the writers are saying, look, you have to pay us. You know, you have to pay us for our creativity. We can't live without the money. And, uh, you know, I mean, when I came up as a musician, there was no such thing as these, this Spotify stuff. It was, you registered your music and you got a residual for it. If, you know, if you own the record, you got paid for owning the record. If you were the writer, you got paid for the writing of the song. And there was no getting around it. And you had to have your publishing. But those were the things that attracted me to say, hey, you know, you have a chance here if you can excel to actually make a living and take care of a family and raise children, send them to school, put clothes on their backs, have health care, put braces on their teeth if they need them, you know, save so you can put them in college when they get to uh, that age when they need to go to college. You can be a normal person, you know, if you're, if you're paid for your creativity. You know, and my, my girlfriend here that just played, uh, uh, you know, the, the stadium all, all weekend there, the beautiful girl, the young girl there that everybody fights over. Oh, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift, the Swifties. She, I mean, she's not taking any guff from anybody. She's going, look, you're paying me. She's a smart, smart young woman. And, you know, and the people, her fans, they don't mind because they love her music so much, they're supporting her. And she's not doing it because she just wants, she's just doing it for the principle of it. That, you know, all writers need to be compensated for their creativity. And, you know, I mean, I miss watching Jimmy Fallon at 1130 and I'm watching or Jimmy Kimmel or, you know, or the late night CBS. They're, they're all dark or they're, they're it's reruns. It's yeah. like, you know, so it's like, you know, uh, I just hope the sooner they get that over with, the better. So, you know, that's the way I feel about it. It is nice that, you know, when I made my last record in 2015, you know, uh, on the blues charts, I hit number one around the world on the Spotify charts and the, the blues rhythm and blues charts. But it wasn't from sales. It was from airplay. You know, so but so it did get me out a little bit uh, as far as people learning about me, you know, in different countries all over the world. But uh, when 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 they tried to book me, they tried, they tried to book me for a festival, you know, the Montreux people called me to play Montreux. And they offered me like, you know, 30,000 bucks to go play Montreux. And I said, well, it's 50 grand just for the flights, you know, for my for this aggravation, the aggregation to move, you know, a 12-piece yeah, band. Yeah, the whole band. 
yeah. you know, all the way to Europe and then put them up and, and busing and rent a cars and, and, you know, so so what are we going to do? Do a one-nighter and then come home? You know, so we'd lose money doing that for one night. Can you put a week of dates, you know, around it? Oh, no, we can just give you one day. Well, we can't come. Yeah. So I could never I could never say yes to them. I couldn't go to Australia. They wanted me to come to Australia. It was, it was, they were offering me one night at a big festival, you know. So it's sad, you know. I feel bad because I really wanted to play those, you know. And, you know, there was a time when the record industry was more into investing and giving people time to grow. That's right. And they would support some of that with what is now A&R. It's extinct. People need A&R yeah, artists they, Yeah, they figured uh, take three three records to break, you know. That was like normal things, you And know? then you put them on the road, let yeah. people get to see them. Yeah. And that, that equation is different now. Linda Ronstadt took a few records to break her. Yeah. Uh, you know, I remember that. You know, countless, incredible... You know, artists. Emmy Lou Harris, when she was a young up-and-comer, took her a while. You know, I remember I had her in the park here in, in Rec Park. Emmy Lou Harris here. You know, many years ago. But so it's like, and I had her at the Shabu. So it was like, uh, but now she's finally, you know, getting her due, and I'm so happy for her. And now, if you want to see her now, she'll be in Fenway Park. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. And she deserves to be there because she's that great. But you know. But anyway, it's, that's the way of the music business. But I'm just so grateful that I've had to be uh, to, to learn as much as I could learn in all the ways by being a club owner, by being a singer, by being a band leader, by being a production company owner, you know, I mean, a, a buyer, a seller. I mean, I've done every single facet of the business so over a 60-year span of my life. So, I mean, I just feel like, you know, so so lucky and i wouldn't trade it for anything i mean i'm just so blessed and so grateful that i've had this life you know uh, you know it's like you can't make this up what 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 i got to do so uh i'm just I'm, i feel great I'm, you know are you still lucky. working on that book you still still in the editing on that well, book i, I had a ghostwriter uh, she yeah. ended up being the sports editor of the current so she had a she had a we, she had to stop half a third away wow. through the book. Because that's an awesome story. When that gets together, that's going to be an awesome story. It'll come oh, at the right time. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's uh, yeah. so. Now I'm looking for another ghostwriter that can that's good. And then uh, you know, because uh, I just like spill it into a tape recorder, and uh, you know, I remember everything because I never drank, so I remember everything. Yeah. There's a I don't remember there. every single date, like what night they played, but I mean, I remember the what happened when they did play. Right, and uh, you know, just moments that were just—they oh, were so unbelievable. You know. Well, well, here's the question, uh, because you were in the right place at the right time when the music was changing, radio was more supportive, audiences were ready. Yeah. If somebody was in their twenties today, starting out in this environment today, what would your go advice? Go to a major city. Pardon me. Go to a major city. Go to a major city. Don't try to do it uh, like in like where I did it. It's it's not going to happen for you here, you know, because it took me uh, eleven years, and we were we were the reason it worked for us is we were the we were the people that started it, you know right. what I mean? So we didn't have anybody to teach us. We didn't have anything, and we didn't have any competition either, except you know Jimmy Coplick at the Coliseum. That was it, you know. Maybe a little bit of Oakdale stuff in the old days, Ben Siegel with the Siegel family. 
but I mean, there really wasn't, you know, any competition for us. And then we were like years before Toads. So, uh, you know, but now there's, there's venues all over the place. So to, to be in a tertiary market like here now, if you really want to be a solid pro and, 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 and choose this as your life, I think I think Atlanta or Nashville or or uh, uh, Texas uh, El Paso or uh, uh, Los Angeles San Francisco you know mm-hmm. New York City uh, you know those are the those are the spots I mean uh, there's certain there's certain key spots in Miami's big now it's a big place musically so there's there's, a, there's certain key markets that uh, Vegas is huge if you want to be in the music business so. Uh, you know, that's what I would suggest for youngsters to migrate uh, and then get a job with a real formidable music company and uh, and come up through the mailroom like that's that's the old... Remember, that was the oh, saying. Yeah. You started right. in the mailroom. So it's kind of like if people live in the tertiary or smaller markets then, what I hear from musicians is that they have to get out and play. They have to really get comfortable in front of people. They just can't do things in the studio. And the other thing is... Fans need to come out and support a venue, buy some music. Well, on a local level, that's what it, I mean. It, local, yeah, where on we a are local level, it works. In other words, if you don't make your overhead too high, right. like what Bruce John does, you yeah. know, he's he's learned a, a way to, you know, I I, I I tease him now. I call him the hardest working man in show business. I mean, he, he, yeah. he's playing, you know, so much, and he's yeah. he's 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 actually earning a, a decent living, and he's sleeping in his own bed. And he has a following that he love him and cherish him, and you know he does special things for people. He plays funerals. He, when they're sick, he goes and plays at their bedside when they're yep. when they're. I mean, yeah, he's just done so many great things to to build his personal career. Uh, he's made it work. You know, there's certain people that can do that. You know, uh, Christine Ullman, besides her Saturday Night Live, yep. anchor money. You know, has been another one of those hard workers that would go play all of the Northeast and just, or, or, or go down south and get on the Muscle Shoals. She, she'll go everywhere. You know? And she works with young women players to get young kids into music. Yeah, so she's, she's working on many levels. Yeah. She's, she's, you know, she's very, very astute and hardworking. And she's got a, she's a lion heart. And she always wants to help people. She's just, you know, there's a lot of a lot of good teachers in, right in my own band that have taught me. I learned. I try to learn, uh, you know, things from everybody that I uh, play music with, instead of me being the center of attention. I, I don't like to look. I like to think of myself as the worst guy in the band instead of the best guy in the band, because that way you learn something. You know? Yeah. You know? So once again, it's going to be this Saturday, May 27th. The gates will open at four. The music begins at 5 o'clock with, uh, with Dennis Poliski and the Maestro's Men. There'll be a little break at the D.A. Foster. David will come on at 8 with the Uptown Horns, Christine Ullman, and Jeff Pitchell. So thank you for taking some time to come by and for all the good work you do throughout the year. Oh, it's always great to have John, time you. John, it's so nice to be with you. Always great. And my main man here. He's, he's the guy behind the scenes, I, Matthew Rupert. I mean, if Matthew, if Matthew uh, he should be like doing my makeup. You know what I'm saying? And, and, uh, when I get to the motorhome for the, before the show, it's just sort of like, hey, can you do anything with this? Hey, but Matthew, can get him in here. You just know. give him a soldering iron. He'll be good. That's a, and a hammer, I think. Yeah, 
There yeah, you go. He's great. Yeah, all right. All Thanks, right. Man. Well, look, we'll take a few minutes for a break and come back and talk about the Bradley Playhouse. They have a new play opening on June 1st called Nuts. Don't go away. Okay, we're back live for the second part of our program today for On the Homefront. We're very happy to have you with us. For the third part of the program, we're going to have people from Grow Wyndham and the Wyndham Community Food Network. They've got veggie stock coming up, the fifth annual veggie stock in early June. But today, right now, we're going to open with a... Uh, uh, th there's a new play opening at the Bradley Playhouse called Nuts on June 1st. I have to mention, too, that I had a chance to see Into the Woods last month, and it was a great show. I want to commend everybody. The band did an incredible job with music for almost two hours. It was a really good play. It was a lot of fun in a nice theater, and we're here to talk about Nuts. And we have the director, Bill Caraval, with us today, as well as a cast member, Brittany Kimlingen. Welcome to the program. It's good to have you folks in the studio. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. So I know you're opening in a few days. That's why we're having you here today. Tell us about Nuts, uh, 1981 play, famous on Broadway, a little history to it, a yep. very intense drama involving uh, courtroom stories. Yes, right? Yeah, it's mm -hmm. a courtroom drama that basically deals with uh, mental health and the court systems. Um, 1979, I believe, Claudia Draper. It's based on a true story okay. where Claudia Draper, a uh, high-priced call girl, was uh, violently attacked by one of her customers, and she defends herself. And she's put on trial. Well, she's put into a mental institution because her parents think she must be crazy. She couldn't have done this. There's no way my daughter would be doing that type of job and, and any of this. So they put her in an institution with the lawyers and the doctors to try to have her committed. She doesn't want to be committed. She wants to go to court. She wants to prove her case. And what the play is about is the hearing that takes place to see if she's competent or not. Now, I understand, actually, it's called a play in three acts. Yes. Uh, you know, without giving away the storyline, can you say the three phases or the three pieces that are set up for the narrative? We've kind of uh, changed it a little bit. Um, there was three acts, but we only have two acts. Okay. So we've kind of taken act one and act two and kind of scrunched it so we could have an intermission. Okay. Um, we call that our act yes, one. Yes, our act one. <laughs> sure. And then our act two. I would say the way I always perceive the acts is the people on the witness stand. So act one is pretty much the doctor. So it's about the doctor. You hear the doctor's side of why she needs to be committed. Then you hear uh, act two is the mom and dad of why she should be committed. Then you also find out there might have been some stuff in her childhood that I'm not going to... Backstory. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, you'll have to come see the play and see it. Uh, and then Act 3 is Claudia on the stage, on, on the stand. So you, you get to see everything up to her finally giving her testimony of why he thinks that she should not be be committed. Right. It's, it's intense. The, the actors, fantastic actors... Um, right now, we still got a little bit of work to do, but yes, we open next Friday. I can't wait. I can't June first. Uh, June first. I thought it was the second. Could be June second. I'll check. Maybe. Uh, I might Brittany, be wrong. <laughs> uh, so, how do you fit into the storyline itself, Brittany? I am the court recorder, so I have an authentic um, stenographer. Yep. Oh wow! Yep. Yeah, machine, which is very cool, and. Um, yeah, so I'm a supporting role, and I'm on stage the whole time taking notes, and it's it's really fun to be a part of this cast. It's an honor, really, because the actors involved are, are incredible, and Bill's great as well, so I'm learning a lot just being a part of the show. When do I have to pay you for something? <laughs> uh, you, you can pay me later. <laughs> okay. Right. You have to modify that, that union contract. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, so one thing I love to ask directors is when you have your tabla rasa, 
Can you tell us about your vision, how you set the stage visually or blocking things or use of lighting or sound or music to create oh, okay. the space? Um, I'm basically an organic director. I have a basic vision of what I want to see, and I may give the actors free reign to use the stage. I may say, you need to be over here, but as they start fleshing out the characters, that may shift a little bit. It may change. This show, I'm doing it as simple as possible. It's black curtains, chairs, and a couple tables. Stenographer's machine, mm -hmm. and that's it. Um, I got a gobo, which I before I came here, that's what I was doing. I was actually hanging my lights and stuff. I have to go back and finish. Um, but I have a gobo with a, a jail cell. So when the audience sits down as pre-show, you look and you see a silhouette of a jail cell on the black curtain mm -hmm. with just the uh, pictures of water and uh, the, the furniture and stuff like that. Um, I'm always of the mind, especially with a drama like this that's very well written, to let the actors drive the show. You don't need a big set. You don't need a lot of lighting. Keep it simple and let the story flesh out and let the actors drive that and give that information to the audience. I think it, for me, it has more impact just from the actor's standpoint of giving that information than looking at a huge set and big flash and mm -hmm. all this other stuff. So I try to keep things all, I guess, simple. Yeah, and this show has a lot of emotion and there's a lot that builds in the characters. So I, I agree. I think it's perfect what, what we have. A play coming out in the 80s, you know, pre-AIDS, before things got very challenging with relationships. How does some of the story speak to our relationships today? Because there's so much out there today in the media that's sometimes exploitive, frankly. But mm -hmm. it's there about, you know, how people are getting along and treating each other and their challenges out there. And you touch on a tragedy that was a, a human situation. Mm -hmm. So how does this touch on our space today, do you think? Let you tackle that one. Oh, lovely. Okay. Um, well, I think that the relationships in the show are are very they're relatable to what we're going through now. That's and what I, was say. <laughs> um, I know even you know being in the show, there are certain dynamics. You know, there are mother daughter relationships. There are um, husband wife relationships. There are all these familial step relationships, stepfather, stepdaughter, step step and um, ultimately, you know, everyone has their different wants and their goals, and um, it's, you know, it's really about Claudia being true to herself, and, you know, and sometimes that's difficult for family members um, to allow, you know, allow their daughter to, to do the things that they're doing. Um, so I think that Anyone who comes to see the show could relate to it on some level and find find see themselves in at least one of the characters, if not more than one. Because yeah. I think even, we'll say the 80s, which really wasn't that long ago, no. um, we have a tendency to put people in boxes. And that's exactly what happens in the show. Claudia is put in a box by mom and dad. This is where she should be. She's not where we think she should be. She's not in that box. So obviously she must be nuts. She must be crazy. There's something wrong. Um, the doctor goes... Well, if she's not, she's not following along with my other patients, so she has to be crazy because she's not following the procedures. She's very um, belligerent. She's very, uh, what's the word to use? Negativistic. <laughs> I can say that properly. Yeah. Um, so he's got her in a box, but she's not in that box. Her defense attorney thinks she should be one way, and she's not playing the game the way he wants her to play. So it is about you know putting people in those boxes or, and people breaking out of those boxes and yeah. being mm -hmm. true to themselves. Yeah. 
And when you're in a legal process with real outcomes, there's no escape. No. Something right. will happen. There's pressure that never right. quits. Exactly. And she's yeah. fighting for her life. Right. You know, yeah. She's fighting for her future. So let's talk about the craft a little bit, Brittany. Uh, out of all the forms of art that you could have pursued, uh, what drew you to the acting space, uh, inhabiting a role, uh, and the craft compared to other kinds of art? Well, you know, as a child, my grandmother really fostered that love of, of the arts and of acting. So she took me to shows all the time. Oh, and our so favorite good. theater was the Bradley. Oh, um, yeah. So I grew oh. up going to a lot of shows there. And you know what I really loved about acting as a child? I felt like I had to be like the perfect child, you know? And um, in acting, you could be you could be all kinds of roles. You know, I loved playing like the bad kid you know, because it was a chance to be on stage sure. and act out parts of me that it wasn't really acceptable to act that way socially, you know? And so I think that it's such a great expression of emotion and all the parts of you that maybe isn't uh, the best way to portray yourself um, in the in the real world. <laughs> so yeah, I that's why I really enjoy it. And I think that acting, you tell, you tell stories and there's a lot of, um, I feel like you could reach people through, through a show or through a, a play. Um, sometimes in a more impactful way than even having a conversation because you're not necessarily telling someone how to feel or telling them that you're validating their emotions. They're actually seeing that, um, you know, portrayed on the stage it's and they can share that. Yeah. yeah. So I just think it's a beautiful, a beautiful form of art. Yeah. The thing I like about being in the audience is how you trigger things. Yes. Things. If, if you let yourself be open, things are triggered. Mm hmm and things that you leave with stay with you for a while. Yeah. And that's what should happen. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's a good question for you now as a director. Mm -hmm. Compared to other kinds of roles in the craft, what drew you to, you know, to the craft of directing and trying to ride shotgun over many things at the same time? I like telling people what to do. Oh. No, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually, write that one down. <laughs> I actually started out as an actor. Um, I actually started out in tech. I started out on the tech side, lights and sound. Oh, excellent. And then I got into stage managing and uh, actually stage managing tech and then acting. Um, didn't really realize, always wanted to do it, never really knew how or had the opportunity. And I auditioned for a play at the Bradley one day and I got cast and it's been ever since. But I remember sitting uh, in an apartment and the Crucible script, and, you know, Crucible? Miller. it's yeah. my favorite show. It is. Um, and I started reading it. As I started reading it, I started picturing it how the, everything be staged, how it should look. Oh. And I just kind of went, okay, I know the Bradley's looking for directors for this. I'm going to throw my hat in the ring. And then they picked me. So then I really have to do it. Um, be but careful what you ask yeah, for. But, but brilliant, Brittany and I were just actually talking about this earlier, where I said, I, I like directing a little bit more than acting because the director has the whole vision. Yeah. The whole idea of what the play should look like. Um, as an actor, you just have your little part in that play. So directing for me, starting out with a kernel of an idea of how it should be staged, what actors you should get. And I've been lucky enough that I was actually able to pick my actors for this show. Um, to flesh it all out and get that vision out there is just, it's phenomenal. And if it's done right, it's nothing better. Yeah. And uh, how many shows have you done after that one? That was a great start. I mean, that's a 
I mean, talk about relevant to today. That story is really relevant today. In any aspect. There's a lot of witches being burned yeah. Oh, out yeah, there, yeah, let me tell yeah. you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've done that show four times. I've directed it twice, uh, and I've played uh, Hale twice. I'm, at some okay. point, I hope to play Danforth. Um, but I think I stopped counting, and I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm bragging, and I'm no. talking about in any aspect, whether yeah. I was building a set, running the light board, stage manager, director, was in it. I stopped counting at 125, and I have no clue <laughs> what it is now i just you know before covid it kind of slowed down and obviously but since covid it's just like i started branching out and i've been just getting other opportunities left and right so i'm I'm assuming at some point there's going to be a big number that that's the end but no (laughs) need to rush (laughs) no need to rush that could be just a state of mind yes there you go (laughs) yeah but i've been talking to christy lynn a long time and there's so many great shows there if you want to find out more just go to the bradleyplayhouse.org the bradleyplayhouse.org it has a schedule coming up later in the summertime in august they've got a chorus line coming august 4th to the 13th nuts opens friday june 2nd by the way right on that june 2nd uh for several days and you can get tickets right on the website so look i want to thank you for coming down i wish you a great success i'll be out to see the play thank you and we'll look forward to staying in touch with the folks at the bradley as things move into the year thanks for having us thank you so much it was fun yeah okay good luck to both of you thank you Okay, a short break now, a little musical interlude, the Willimantic USA song, and then we'll come back and talk about veggie stock. Stay with us. There's a place that's nearest to heaven Where the hills roll up to the sky And the land is peaceful and lovely It's where Okay, hello folks. We're back here on the home front for the last part of the show today. Coming up on June 3rd, Saturday in Louder Park, just a couple of miles from where we sit right now, is the 5th Annual Veggie Stock Celebration. It's a coordinated effort of many people involved with food and the food economy in our area. We have Sydney Clement sitting next to me. She's the coordinator of the Wyndham Community Food Network. I've had Sydney on several times over the years now. Yeah, thanks for having me back. <laughs> Always a good story. <laughs> and also with us today is uh, is a Chelsea Cherrier. She is from Click, 
Uh, that's a cooperatively licensed community kitchen. Yes. Welcome. Thank you. So let's run down the day first of all, then we'll get into some of the other things. But it starts at 10 o'clock on June 3rd. Yeah. What's uh, the day going to be? Uh, it'll be June 3rd, Saturday, uh, 10 to 2 at Water Park. And it is our fifth annual food and garden festival called Veggie Stock. And so we will have about 30 different booths set up and giving out free plants to gardeners. We really want to promote the space down at Water Park. Um, there's some beautiful community gardens. We have a new skate park down there. Yes. The beach will be open. And it's, I think, the hidden treasure of Willimantic. Mm -hmm. And so we want to bring everyone down. Yeah. yeah. Are there any changes from last year in terms of any music that's going to be there or any of the vendors or people? Any kind of changes? Uh, this year we're going to have I-98 doing a live broadcast, actually. Oh, there you go. Sister music. radio station. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, uh, DJing, which will be fun. That's awesome. Um, we have more vendors. We just continue to grow every year. Um, no we, pun intended there. Yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> I had to do it. Yeah. Um, Chelsea oh, can talk more about our food vendors, but we have a couple of really cool ones coming out this year. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll have two food vendors. Both are coming from Click. They're Click Kitchen members. We'll have Angeles Mexican food with traditional Mexican food, tamales, tacos, empanadas, and more be really delicious and then we also have chow llc and she's kind of elevated comfort food um her buffalo arancinis were sold out at third thursday and hop fest so i know that those will be available at veggie stock and i also heard a rumor that she's making a grilled cheese uh, with the world famous katie crop farms Crambonero jelly so uh -oh. another click kitchen member so there'll be lots of click representation in the food at veggie stock you know what we should do for a minute while we have some time? Click is so cool because it's an incubator for yes. new startups, for people that might not otherwise ever have a shot because they can never afford a safe, legal, licensed kitchen, Absolutely. which is a fortune. Yes. But if you're a small business starting up, can you talk about the equation? That's how people begin, and then they grow from there. Yeah, so we call ourselves a food business incubator. We right. help people start their food businesses um, from dream to reality. And we offer um, a membership that provides rental space in all of our kitchens and with all of our equipment at a really low cost. And we also help you through the health department program. Uh, process. Um, we also help with market expansion. So we offer different opportunities for these food businesses to get out there and support them through that process. And the hope is that they get too big for us and then they move, you know, somewhere right next to you on Main Street so that those businesses can then flourish in a brick and mortar as well. Right. I mean, some of them end up on the shelves right there in the co-op. Exactly. The hot shirasa sauce is awesome. People yeah. go wild for that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Click is there. It's a startup. They also do programs throughout the year, training, safe serve training. They talk about uh, health and wellness. They do all kinds of cultural celebrations as well. Just go to the website, clickwillimanic.org, I believe, and you'll find out a lot more about what they're doing. Uh, talk about the Food Network now, because you're here off and on. You're doing work <laughs> all year, and you have Grow Wyndham and the Wyndham Youth Corps just got a big grant. Yeah. A big grant. Talk about that good news. Uh, so the Wyndham, I, I've 
don't feel that I am capable to talk about all the wonderful things Grow Wyndham is doing. Okay. Um, they're a partner in a lot of the work that we do. And mm-hmm. the way the Wyndham Community Food Network works is kind of supporting and networking all of these awesome food organizations in our community. So the co-op, Click, Grow Wyndham are all members. Um, and we really focus on kind of like gathering and redistributing resources in our community. So with like veggie stock, um, at the after Memorial Day plant sales, a lot of farmers or nurseries will kind of just compost all their leftover uh, seedlings that they have. Instead, we go around and collect all of them and then redistribute them back to the community instead of wasting these plants. That's right. And then community members can grow their own food. And we ask if you end up with like a bunch of cucumbers that you don't know what to do with, you can donate them back to us at our community fridge at Whitewater Park. And then again, we redistribute them back into the community uh, for to pantries or sometimes we send them to click and they'll make pickles out of it for us sure yeah it's all locally grown so it's good for a period of time it's not traveling to california on a truck it's all local local. and it's sustainable that way too it keeps it small yeah Yeah. really trying to minimize like the waste in our community and feed as many people as we can in the process right right so are there ways people can connect to you if they want to get involved what's the best way if they wanted to begin to to partner up Yeah, uh, you can send me an email at windhamfood at gmail.com. We also have our website, windhamfood.org. If you do backslash veggie stock, you'll find all of the information there. And we are on Facebook and Instagram at windhamfood. What do you hear from our local farmers these days now? We're coming into the growing season. It's it's happening. Uh, there's, There's lots of small farms. Maybe they're marginally successful, they're still struggling, but what do you hear from our local growers when we have restaurants trying to do farm to table to keep their food offerings local? People are trying to grow their own food, but what do you hear from any of the farmers that you talk to? Um, I would say that the biggest thing that Click is working on to support the farmers because we heard from them was creating a place of aggregation or a place, a single point for farmers to bring the food. Like a farmer's market that you have? Yeah, so Click would be that um, point of aggregation. So basically the farmers in the area would bring all their food, we would purchase it from them, and then we would redistribute to markets like um, the restaurants or institutions or um, Wyndham Community Food Network has an incredible food assistance program called community um, table and Mm -hmm. so we purchase currently from um, several farmers to then be distributed in those food box programs that Wyndham Community Food Network is doing Um, so Click is working to gather all the small mid-sized farmer farmers into one so that they have enough quantities to provide for the community because as one farm they don't have enough but as many we can come together and provide for the community yeah you know, there was an article in The Current a few days ago about farming, and they were saying that the elder generation that's had farms, they're worried about continuity with young people taking over mm. uh, and the loss of continuity. Uh, you know, the, like the Wyndham Youth Corps connects kids to food. Mm-hmm. The kind of things that you do with the network and like Veggie Stock, how are ways for kids to get connected to dirt and soil and away from screens and all these other media things, but into the earth to appreciate growing. And this is where kids' lives can change when they see these things. Yeah, um, I can't hype up the Grow Window Youth Corps program enough. Uh, they're focused mainly on high schoolers, and they provide them with jobs to pay them to work in the dirt, and hopefully they fall in love with it, and then maybe pursue a career in agriculture after that. Right. Um, I know this summer the Willimantic Public Library is doing a lot of uh 
youth programming, so for the younger kids, Mm -hmm. and they'll be taking field trips to, I know, Sweet Acre Farm in Lebanon, the Lauder Park, and Clicks, Mm -hmm. and they'll get to kind of, I think at Click they're going to plant some actual stuff, and then come back later in the season, and kind of see how to harvest it, and then maybe how to cook it, and kind of see the whole life uh, life cycle of these plants and hopefully it'll kind of sink in that food doesn't just magically appear on our grocery <laughs> yes. store shelves uh, seeing it from seed to like fork is yeah that's a great experience because those early things set habits it's you know it's like exposing kids to art at a young age that's also life-altering if they get something to trigger it right yeah. absolutely and yeah. bring them down to veggie stock to get plants for their own garden yeah. and they can yeah. get real dirty yeah. <laughs> so can you give us a preview based on what you know now what kinds of plants will people have there what people might be able to leave with yeah based on what you know now what's coming that day we have a good amount of herb plants coming in we've partnered with spring valley farm uh, the yukon student farm mm-hmm. uh, and they've been helping us grow uh, some of the seedlings that we have rescued are some of the seeds that we're going to get thrown away into actual seedlings for this event so there's tomatoes there's peppers sweet and hot um what else cucumbers cucumbers basil yeah lots of stuff uh all of the the garden classic staples Mm -hmm. yeah now we we had you on the program a year a year and a half ago throughout the year that park is busy at certain times, the people are working all the time. Can you talk about that activity? That that's just, This is a celebration of what happens all year there. Uh, and that's another activity for young people or people that want to get back into agriculture and food. Yeah, so Veggie Stock is a, a one-off event of trying to get a bunch of people in there. And we kind of hope that you'll come down and see how beautiful these spaces are and get hooked. Grow Wyndham, the Youth Corps, they offer... Um, service days every Saturday morning from 9 to 12 where anyone can come work in their garden and so you'll gain some skills you'll get to give back to the community because all of the food that they grow back uh, grow there goes back into pantries in our community as well to feed those in need yeah yeah and also Chelsea what got you into working with food the way you do with all the other things you could be doing with your energy, <laughs> you know, everybody has a trigger, something that says, I'm going to focus on this. And yeah. I'm always wondering what it was that gave you that focus for your energy. Yeah, it started um, in nutrition. So I got my master's in nutrition in Oregon. Um, I grew up in this area. I grew up, up in Mansfield. And um, I love cooking food. I love growing food. Mm-hmm. Um, food is a passion, and it brings us all together. So it started with nutrition, and then it just expanded from there. So. Right. Just bringing, you know, healthy food and uh, access to good food to everyone in our community is is all of our goals. And, you know, one thing that I really admire about all the events you do, as long as uh, with Click and, and, you know, Grow Wyndham, is it's activity in our community that brings people together across lots of cultural lines. Mm -hmm. Not everything does that. But food, that's a human thing across the world, right? Yes. Can you talk about how it is? Because I've seen the events, the mix of different people from all over Central America, Mexico, different regions. They all have their own foods. Some of them travel very far to get real ingredients from home. But I guess what I'm trying to get to without getting into uh, uh, you know, political things is <laughs> how people are coming together to enjoy this. And that's a way to build unity when there's a lot of political pressure today. Does that come out to you at all when you see people in terms of their sense of feeling at home? There's a unity here that transcends differences because a lot of people play on differences more than similarities. Yeah, I think food brings us all together. 
Food is the vehicle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it's so incredible to, like, share these cultures as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like you said, there are differences. And so instead of having it divide us, uh, food is a way to celebrate it um, and eat across the cultures and do cooking classes uh, Mm -hmm. about the different kinds of food that we have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to get too Pollyannish about it, but but it's a real challenge today for people to connect. And by the way, we're doing this uh, at the end of May with the school years winding down. This may not be relevant, but are there ways that teachers connect to you during the school year when they have first to sixth grades, early kids coming in? Are there any school activities that tie into your work at all? Uh, right now, the Wyndham Community Food Network does a lot of working with uh, Eastern and Yukon. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the schools, like I said, uh, Grow At Window. the college level. Yeah, the college level, yeah. Right. Uh, with the younger schools, I like Grow Wyndham and I think the public library are doing mm-hmm. a lot of mm-hmm. doing the, the education. Youth the yeah, youth the youth corps are doing a lot of the education with the younger kids. And even yeah. the high schoolers, yes, are working for the youth corps, but I know that they are also. Uh, they will host volunteer days for younger kids to come out and see. Yeah. 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 Click does a lot of work with uh, homeschool groups. So we have a lot of homeschool days there once a month, and we do different cooking classes with them. Um, but those are always offered um, sometimes during the weekend for kids or on vacations um, for kids that are in school and would like to participate in cooking. Yeah. Homeschooling can be a huge challenge, and having those extra experiences really adds a lot. They always fill up. We always have over 20 kids with ages 3 to 10, so (laughs) it's pretty crazy. So let's wrap up and give you folks some contact information to find out more things happening after Veggie Stock. Again, that's coming up on June 3rd, Saturday, right here, just a couple of, actually about a mile from here, a mile and a half uh, from 10 to 2 on Saturday, June 2nd at Louder Park. Sydney Clements, Chelsea Sherry, lets people know how to reach out to you. We'll be all set. Yeah, visit windhamfood.org uh, slash veggie stock. You'll see all of the different kinds of events like tie-dye, plants, um, clothing swaps, skate park, yoga classes that we're having. Uh, check it out. Also, there's an event on Facebook. Uh, it's that just veggie stock at Wyndham Food. You can find it. And for a click. And for Click, um, you can reach me at Chelsea at ClickWillmantic.com if you have a specific question, or you can reach us at our website at Click, or I'm sorry, Chelsea at ClickWillmantic, and ClickWillmantic.com is our website. Um, we've just been supporting Veggie Stock by providing uh, the food vendors, so if you have an event that you're looking for food vendors, um, reach out to us because we have over 30 food businesses, um, lots of catering, lots of food trucks, and lots of options. Over 30. I remember talking to Tina and, uh, you know, Phoebe when it was on paper as an idea. <laughs> and now you got 30. Yeah, That's awesome. incredible. Yeah, we're just yeah. trying to keep up at this point. <laughs> yeah. Well, congratulations, and thank you for the good work you do throughout the year. Thanks for having us. Yeah, well, you thank betcha. you so much. We'll have you back again. <laughs> All right, well, that's how we're going to wrap up this week's program. It's always great to have you on the home front. If you want to join us to tell us your story and share it with everybody, just send an email, john at humanartsmedia.com. Thanks for sharing some of your time with us, and we'll see you next week.